0: Amen. Well, I don't even want to preach now. (laughs) That was good, brother. Thank you. Well, good afternoon. My name is Joel Turner. I'm an IMB missionary, and uh, I've been asked to share with you a little bit tonight. I really appreciate the opportunity, pastors. Um, I'm your missionary. This church supports the cooperative program, Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Those monies go to support me and the thousands of other missionaries serving around the world. And... uh, me and my family have been missionaries for about 16 years. We've got three kids who are 13, 11, and six years old. And uh, this past time, we were back in the, we were overseas for four years. We just came back. We're staying in Benton. And the other day, I asked my kids, what do you like about America? And they said, we love America. So what do you love about America? They said, number one, we love central air conditioning. That's a, that's a big deal because where we're at, we don't have central air. Number two, they love carpet. We don't have carpet. We have tile floors, and they just think carpet is the coolest thing in the world. Number three, they love cereal. Um, you, that's just a big deal for us. When we, we have a tradition, me and my sons, whenever we come back to the States, we have jet lag. It's a 14-hour time difference. And so the first night or two home in the States, we'll wake up at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and we always go to Walmart. We go straight to the cereal aisle, and we have a tradition where we count the number of flavors of Cheerios. Now, today, I'm here to tell you there are 13 different flavors of Cheerios. Now, 16 years ago, there were only two. So uh, we love America, and we love Cheerios, and, and... we're glad to get to be with you. I enjoyed driving over here, driving through the rice fields. It made me feel like I was back in the Philippines. You know, I tell Filipinos, my, my dad's family, my uncles, live in North Louisiana, and they're all rice farmers. And Filipinos always tell me, rice farm? We didn't know y'all ate rice in America. So we don't, we don't eat it. I don't know what we do with it, but we grow it. <laughs> and uh, they're real impressed. And they, they, they ask a lot of questions. They say, well, how many water buffalo does your family own? We don't own any water buffalo, and they're not impressed anymore, but, but you know, it's a, rice is a big deal where we're at. Um, I don't like rice, so that's a struggle for me, but I'm not here to talk about rice, although I am in a way. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to share with you a little bit about missions. I'm going to go kind of fast, and what I'd like to do, if it's all right, I'm going to share a little bit about my work, about our ministry, about our people group, and if we have time, I'm going to open it up, and if anybody has a question or two, I'll be glad to to answer it. If, I'm, if I don't know the answer, that's all right. Y'all don't know any different, so I'll just make something up. But uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to talk to you about our strategy for missions. What we do as missionaries. What does our life look like? What are the things that are important to us? If you found Matthew chapter 9, please stand with me. We'll start reading in verse 35. It's a story about rice farming, kind of. Matthew 9 verse starting in verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for what it says about the harvest. Help us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, it's interesting when, in this story, when Jesus sees the crowds, when he sees the, the people, what does he say about them? He says they're harassed. They're helpless. They're lost. They're in darkness. There's brokenness. There's a big problem. What does Jesus say to do? What does Jesus say? How do we fix the problem? It's not start a Bible study, it's not to start a new church. It's not to what is it? It's prayer. Three things I want to share with you about my work. The first thing is prayer. Prayer is of utmost importance to us on the mission field. We, and it's not just the mission field. I'm, I'm talking about missions, but in every church, in every ministry, prayer is the foundation for everything we do. We need to take prayer seriously. We work with Muslims in the Philippines. 1.3, 1.6 now. Billion Muslims in the world today. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. Jesus says the problem isn't that the Muslims won't receive Christ. The problem is there aren't any harvesters. I'm you know, driving through the rice fields coming up here today. Driving from Benton. You know, you see the rice. A lot of the rice has been harvested, but a lot of it hadn't been harvested yet. It's ready. What a shame if there's no farmers, if there's no harvesters, if there's no workers to bring in the harvest. What a waste. We need to pray for more workers. When Kelly and I first became missionaries, we were living in Malaysia after language school, and we really didn't know what we were doing. Uh, we still don't know what we're doing most of the time, but, but just getting started. What do you do? How do you, get, how do you get the ball rolling? How do you figure this stuff out? And we began praying and looking for partners, for for teammates, for people to work with us. We began praying that God would send us harvesters, partners. One day I went to the airport to pick up a friend of mine and I overheard a Filipino. He's not from Malaysia, he's from the Philippines and he's flown into Malaysia. I'm waiting for my friend to arrive and this Filipino is trying to get a taxi and he doesn't have any money. And he, he doesn't speak the language, and it's a lot of confusion. And so I approach this man and I say, Sir, if you can wait 10 minutes, I'd be glad to take you and your group to a hotel or money changer, or wherever you need to go. He said, Thanks. Later, we're in the car talking. Now, he doesn't know I'm a missionary. And so I ask him, You know, why are you guys here in the Philippines? Are you or in Malaysia from the Philippines? Why did you come here? Are you businessmen? Are you tourists? He said, no, actually we're from a church in Manila and God has called us to reach out to the Muslims here in this part of Malaysia. We don't know what we're doing, so we're praying God would show us who we can partner with. We were the only missionaries working at that part of Malaysia at that time. And God brought us together. God answers this prayer. When we pray that God will send workers into that harvest field, when we pray that God will call out workers, this is a prayer God will answer. But brothers and sisters, this is a dangerous prayer because when this church praise that God will call out workers. God's going to call your children and your grandchildren to go to Little Rock, or San Francisco, or Afghanistan, or India, or hard places in the world. We need to pray for more workers. Secondly, we need to pray for the lost. We need to pray for the lost. Um, you know, we work with Muslims, and if you know anything about Muslims, Muslims like to pray. If, it's, if anybody knows, show me on your hand, how many times a day are Muslims supposed to pray? Just show me if you, know, if you know the answer on your fingers. Anybody know? Not seven, but close. Five, that's right. All Muslims are supposed to pray five times every day. Are you Muslim? Oh, good. I'll be, I'll stop, I'm going to stop my sermon if you are, because I'm going to say some things. Um, Muslims are supposed to pray five times every day. But the way Muslims pray is very different than the way we pray as Christians. When a Muslim prays, he must pray at a particular time of the day. He must pray facing a particular direction, Mecca. He must pray in a particular language, Arabic. A Muslim, not a Christian, but a Muslim explained it like this. In Islam, there's a master-slave relationship. God is the master. We are the slaves. And if God says pray at this time of the day, in this direction, in this language, all you can say is, yes, sir. But we as Christians have a different relationship with God. We have a father-child relationship. It's very different the way we talk to God. You know, I've, I grew up in the church. I've been in churches all my life. Lots of churches. And churches I've been in all around the world. When, when we have prayer lists, who do we pray for? On your prayer list in this church, who do you pray for? Like what, what, are the, what kind of sick people, right? We pray for people who are sick. That's good. I'll encourage that. We need to do that. But we need to pray for the lost. You know, my mother passed away two years ago, and thankfully, I was able to come home um, during her last days and for the funeral. And my dad told me a story. My dad was a pastor. My dad said, in the very first church they pastored in North Louisiana, my mom started a Bible or a prayer meeting, and they didn't pray for anything on that in that meeting. There were five women, and they made a list of people in their community who didn't know Jesus. And for 18 years, those women prayed the names on that list until every one of those people came to know Jesus. It's good to pray for the lost. It's good to pray for our problems at work and for for different finances, but we need to pray for lost people. You know, my wife and I send out a, a newsletter and I've got some of our prayer cards. If you'd be willing to pray for us, take a prayer card. You can send us an email and we'll put you on our prayer list. We need prayer. Prayer is unbelievably important. We need to pray for more workers. We need to pray for the lost. Thirdly, we need to pray with the lost. What do I mean by that? Something happened that, that really affected my ministry several years ago. I met a man, and he had on the robes and the hat and the beard, very Muslim-y kind of vibe going. I don't know how to explain it. He, I mean, obviously a Muslim. I mean, he looked like a Osama bin Laden or something. I mean, he just, he had the, he had the Muslim thing going on. And so I introduced myself and I said, sir, you know, my name's Joel. What's your name? He said, my name is Emmanuel Melchizedek. Whoa. I know a lot of Muslims. I know Abdul and Muhammad, Hakim, Malik. Emmanuel Melchizedek is not a Muslim name. And I asked this man, how did you get this name? He told me a story. He had a daughter who was sick, five or six years old. Took his daughter to the hospital, bought medicine, saw a doctor. Didn't work. Took his daughter to the mosque, the Islamic Place of worship and they did their rituals, it didn't work. Then he took his daughter to a witch doctor, which is very common in our part of the world. They killed the chicken and they did their magic and it it didn't work. This man said, I was desperate and I was scared my daughter was going to die. He said, Over there, in that next door to where I lived, there was a little church. I didn't know those people, I didn't like those people, they were my enemy, I didn't want anything to do with them. But all I knew about those Christians is that they prayed. And in my desperation, I took my daughter. And they laid their hands on my daughter and prayed with her in the name of Jesus. And God healed her. And I changed my name to Emmanuel Melchizedek because I became a follower of Jesus Christ. We need to pray with people. You don't got to go to Malaysia or Indonesia to find people who need prayer. You all have family members and classmates and people you work with, people in your neighborhood who need prayer. And when people share with you they're having problems at work, they're having problems in their marriage, they're having problems at school... Don't just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Say, can I pray with you right now? And pray with them in the name of Jesus. God answers prayer. God hears our prayer. We are his children. And when lost people hear us talk to Jesus, talk to God, and call out their name, it's a powerful testimony of the power of God. So prayer is the first part of our strategy. Prayer for more workers, prayer for the lost, prayer with the lost. second part of our strategy is love. You know, when, In this story, when Jesus sees the crowds, he feels what? When Jesus sees the crowds, he feels compassion because they were harassed and helpless. We work with Muslims. Now, I'll argue with any, anybody here, I'll argue with anybody, that Muslims are some of the nicest, most generous, hospitable friendliest people i've ever been around Um, but not my muslims Uh, we work with a muslim people group called the taosug and the taosug are the mean ones Um, now i'm not just i'm not just bashing on them if they if there were any taosug here they'd tell you yeah we're we're mean they're proud of it the taosug have a say and they say in the quran it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth they get that from our old testament but for the taosug it's 20 teeth for a tooth Uh, you knock out one of mine i'm gonna take 20 of yours My wife was in a, in a, I don't know what, she was in a village and she's having coffee or tea with some women, some Towsug women. And a little boy, I don't know how, you know, four or five years old little kid comes running up crying. Mama, mama, he hit me. Mama slaps her son in the face and says, you are a Towsug. You do not cry. If somebody hits you, go hit them back. If they're bigger than you, go find a stick. Now you might, yeah, you might know some silk here in, in Corning. I don't know. But, but they're, they're a fierce people, a violent people. Now, I'm going to... Y'all pay my salary. Y'all know that, right? I mean, y'all, when you give to Lottie Moon, that money, more or less, somehow gets over to me. So I'm going to confess a sin to you. I'm going to confess my problem. I get paid to do this. This is my job. There have been times in my ministry when I don't love the Tausul When I see the crowds, I don't feel compassion. I feel anger, sometimes fear, sometimes hate. I see what they're doing. I see ISIS is coming to our area now. I see the terrorism and the kidnapping and the violence, the 500 years of Christians and Muslims fighting each other in the southern Philippines. Sometimes I don't feel compassion. I've argued with God about this. I've said, God... What in the world are we doing here? God, why and why did you call me here? Why am I here? Why am we spending this kind of money doing this kind of ministry? These people don't love you, Lord. These people are far away from you. These people are bad people, God. God, these people don't deserve you. You know what the Lord says? <laughs> Joel, who do you think you are? You think you're better than a towel? You think you're better than a Muslim? Brothers and sisters, we are all sinners, separated from God. It is only by the grace, through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we have relationship with Him. How about you? When you see the crowds, what do you feel? Last month, we remember September 11th. When you see what's happening in Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria and Yemen, parts of Indonesia, what do you feel? And you may say, time out, time out, preacher, this passage is different. Because in this passage, when we read, Matthew, is, he's talking about Jesus sees the crowds. These are Jewish people. These are his neighbors and his friends and his relatives. And Jesus knew these people. And it's easy for Jesus to love this kind of people because he, they're the same culture. No, 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 no. Remember who Jesus is. When Jesus sees the crowds, he, knew, he knows that that man is sleeping around on his wife. He knows that woman is abusing pills. He knows what those teenagers are looking at on the internet. Well, maybe not the internet, but you get the point. When Jesus saw the crowds, he knew every single person. And he knows that on this day, they're following him, they're listening to him, they're worshiping him, but tomorrow they're going to be yelling, crucify him. And he still feels compassion. Brothers and sisters, they're probably... Arnie Tausel here in this part of Arkansas, there are probably not many Muslims, but I bet there's some unlovable people in your life. Now, I'm not saying you need to ignore abuse. I'm not saying you need to put yourself in situations where people can hurt you. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying that we need to consider what makes us as the church different than the world It's our love. We, the Muslims are not told to love their enemies, but we are. That's what makes us different. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. The second greatest, love your neighbor as yourself. We are to be known by the world, by our love for each other. We are a people of love, and we are the ones who are called to forgive our enemies. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's natural. I'm not, I'm saying it's very, very hard, but I'm saying it's biblical, and when I preach this in the Philippines. I tell Filipino Christians, you need to love Muslims. And some of them have had their houses burned down, their crops burned, and their relatives have been killed by Muslims. And I don't say it's easy. I do say it's the will of God. We are called to love. The world should know we're different by our love. Prayer, love, Thirdly, evangelism. This is, not, this is not rocket science. This is not complicated stuff. Evangelism. It says Jesus is going throughout the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and doing what? Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Proclaiming the gospel. You know, I grew up in church, a church very similar to this, actually. One Sunday, we had a missionary come and talk about UPGs. Now, what is a UPG? A missionary explained that a UPG was an unreached people group, an ethnic group or a language group, a people group who have never heard the gospel of Jesus. Not that they've rejected Jesus. They've never heard about Jesus in the first place. And as a teenager, I thought, how many churches did I pass on my way to church this morning? You know, I drove this morning from Benton. How many churches did I pass? Hundreds. That's not bad. That's good. And we need more churches even here in Arkansas. But there are places in the world where there are no churches, places in the world where there are no Christians. And brothers and sisters, that's not right. It's not fair that we get to hear the gospel twice when many people have never heard it even once. I didn't know what all that meant as a teenager, but I said, Lord, if, if you can use me, I'll go. I don't know where I'll go. I don't know what I'll do when I'll get there, but, but I'll go. I later went to Went to Washita and, and, and heard missions, you know, stories about what God was doing in the world. And I'd get so excited, I was ready to go. One day, I, le- I met a young lady in college. Her name was Kelly. And I said, Kelly, what do you want to do after graduation? Kelly said, I'm going to be a missionary. Now, she was pretty, and she wanted to be a missionary. I said, all right, let's go. We'll, we'll go together. She said, I don't, I don't even know your name. I'm not going anywhere with you. So it took her a little while. But finally, in January of 2003, We went. We went to Indonesia to learn language in preparation for Malaysia, and and we loved it. We loved the food and the culture and the the language, and it it was an adventure. It was a lot of fun. And I remember having my quiet time saying, you know, Lord, the Great Commission says go. I'm here. I am obeying the Great Commission. What does the Great Commission say? It says go. Matthew 16, 15, 15, 16 says, go and preach the good news to all creation. Now, time out, Lord. <laughs> these are Muslims. Now, back then, they just hit people with rocks. Now they're chopping off heads. But, but I didn't want to get hit by a rock. I didn't want to get kicked out of the country. It's illegal to share the gospel of Jesus. It's, it's illegal to do evangelism in these countries. And I don't want to get sent home. And if I get in trouble, maybe my teammates get in trouble. And, Lord, we got to be careful. We could, these, this is a dangerous thing. We, we were. We were very careful. And our plan was we'll build friendships and relationships, and maybe after six months, maybe after a year, there'll be an open door and we'll share the gospel. I still remember friends of mine who I never told about Jesus. Missionaries in Southeast Asia, we changed. We realized that the reason we were missionaries was to talk about Jesus. And if we get in trouble, if we get kicked out, that's all right. But we are there to share the gospel. Now, we're not going to be preaching on the street corners. We're not going to be going to the mosque and handing out Bibles. But every opportunity we get, we're going to tell somebody about Jesus. We're not going to argue. We're not going to fight. But we're going to tell about what we believe about Jesus. You know what happened? Nobody got hit by rocks. Nobody lost their head. Nobody got kicked out of the country. You know what else happened? When people hear the gospel... Some of them will believe. If people don't hear the gospel, (laughs) we started sharing the gospel. God is bringing a harvest in the Islamic world today. Doesn't get a lot of attention. Anytime you see Muslims on the news, you see terrorism and violence and fighting and corruption. And there's a lot of that. But I want to tell you the other side of the story. We have seen more Muslims come to faith in Jesus Christ in the past 40 years than the previous 1,400 years of church history. Did you hear that? Last 40 years, we've had more Muslims come to know Jesus than the previous 1,400 years combined. Why? So the first time in church history, Christians aren't just killing Muslims, but we're praying for Muslims. We're loving Muslims. We're sharing the gospel. God is bringing a harvest. You know, you you look at America today, I don't, you know, I just, I live most of my time overseas, and it seems to me a lot of people get, or a lot of Christians, a lot of churches in America, we're upset about the direction our country is going. We see our country and our culture getting further and further away from God. Now, pastors, I'm going to say something. If people get mad at me, I'm going back to the Philippines. They can just come over there, and we can talk about it over there if they get mad. So, if we want to see our country made great, If we want to see our country come back to God, it's not going to come by a president or a Supreme Court justice or changing this law or making that law. It's going to come when people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus is the only answer to our problems. We were in Malaysia for seven years before we saw our first Muslims come to faith. Seven years of of sowing seeds and sharing and doing whatever we new to do. We're so excited. We had a small group of believers, a little house church, and they're excited. They're growing in the Lord, and they're learning the Bible. They're worshiping God. It's, it's really exciting, but after about the fifth week of our little church, we had a crisis. One of the church members had a relative who was murdered. He was at a factory or something, got hit in the head with a pipe. It was a mistaken identity. I don't know the whole story. Anyway, but but. For a talsug, if somebody kills your relative, you have to go kill the murderer. You have to murder the murderer. I mean, that's why they're always fighting each other, because somebody's always been murdered, and it's like a nonstop. So, so in the announcements at church that Sunday, they said, All right, after church, we got to go kill this guy. Okay, no problem. All right, after church, we'll go kill him. So that was the plan. And then, you know, they, they, after church, they get ready, and thank goodness, someone said, Well, before we go kill this guy, let's pray and ask God to give us a safe travel. Okay, well, thank God somebody said we need to pray. So they prayed that God would give them safe travel to go kill this guy. And in their prayer, God convicted them. God said, God told them you are to forgive your enemy. That's not easy for a towel to do. But they said, we're towel but we're followers of Jesus now. We're different. It changes things. Brothers and sisters, I'm very excited about what God's doing around the world. I get a lot of encouragement about what we're seeing happen in China. You know, people, missionary heroes, people like Lottie Moon and Hudson Taylor. For hundreds of years, we had hundreds and thousands of missionaries in China and saw very, very little fruit. And the communists took over and the Boxer Rebellion and a whole bunch of persecution happened. And all the missionaries were kicked out of China. And all the pastors were arrested. All the churches were burned down. And in America, we said... There are no more Christians in China. The church is gone. Today, this Sunday, we have more Christians worshiping in China than we have Christians worshiping in America. God has done, is doing something we have never seen before. It's happening in China. It's a humongous movement of the Lord, of God. In a place we said was too hard. What God does in China, I believe God will one day do. In the Islamic world, we're seeing it now. It's just a little bit, but it's building and it's growing. And I'm very, very excited to be a part of it.